Well, our message today is coming from John chapter 20. And so, if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bible there, a familiar passage for many of you, well-worn in our Bibles as we celebrate Easter. But today's message is entitled, Lingering at the Empty Tomb. And I'm going to start reading John chapter 20, verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and she wept. As she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener. And she said to him, Sir, if you have carried carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said all these things to her. And may the Lord add His blessing to the reading and the preaching of His Word. In 2013, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association produced a film that was intended to be Billy Graham's last sermon. And the message was entitled, My Hope. And in it were several testimonies of men and women who found ultimate hope by turning to Jesus for their salvation. One of those who was featured in that My Hope video was the story of a girl named Lacey Strum. Here's a little bit about her background. At the age of 16, Lacey had decided that she was going to kill herself. Now think about that. At 16 years old, deciding that life was hopeless and that it would just be better to end it all. She recounts how... There were several tragic events in her life up to that point that that had led her into a hard heart of atheism. First off, she said there was the death of her 10-year-old cousin uh, who was brutally killed at the hands of an abusive father. And Lacey reasoned in her young heart, you know, if God was all-powerful and if God was all-loving, then why didn't He stop my cousin from dying? And then she said there was also the emptiness of of religion. As she began to look for answers, uh, she turned to Buddhism. Uh, She turned to New Age. Uh, She turned to the secular philosophies of the day. But she only became more disillusioned as she found that in those religions there was no hope either. And then third, there were the drugs. The drugs which had provided only a temporary relief from the pain and the depression that she was feeling And so Lacey said, I grew up tired 
of crying myself to sleep every night. And so I decided, she said, I was going to finally give in to the darkness. I was tired of fighting those demons. Now, hold that thought right there. We'll find out a little bit later what came about in Lacey's life that changed things. But I think that her battle with the demons of despair was very reminiscent of another woman whom we just read about who at one point in her life had sunk about as low as humanly possible. And she was Mary Magdalene. Most of what we know about her background is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8 and verse 2, where we read there that Mary went from being a demoniac to a disciple of Christ when he came by one day, he touched her, he cleansed her, and he cast seven demons out of her who had no doubt been tormenting her day and night. And so as you think about that in the miracle of a moment, Mary's whole life was radically changed. And the depth of her darkness, I believe, was only surpassed by the height of her love and allegiance to Jesus. You see, uh, those who have been forgiven much, love much. Those who have been drawn out of the deepest, darkest pit possible have a special appreciation for amazing grace when it comes by and frees the chains and gives you new hope to live. And so that's the kind of girl that Mary was. Oh, she was devoted to her Savior. But friend, I want you to know that Mary's life was absolutely shattered on that dark Friday afternoon as she was there to help take the lifeless form of Jesus down from the cross. As she was there to uh, wash His body and wrap Him in those linens and place Him in that tomb. And I believe that as she stood there outside of that cave, as the thud of that 2,000 pound stone uh, was rolled into place, uh, not only did her heart sink, but in her mind, it sealed away her Savior and all of the hopes and the promises that He'd made. And so it's no underestimation to say that a huge part of Mary's heart was buried with Jesus on that day. Now you add to that grief the utter shock when she comes to the tomb that Sunday morning. And she is going there to finish the job of doing the embalming, no doubt it. The twilight hour of that Friday, she was rushed. Uh, they had to prepare things quickly in order to observe the Passover that was coming. And so, according to the early verses in John chapter 20, verses 1 and 2, she was there early in the morning. It was still dark. It was not only dark outside, but it was still dark in Mary's heart. And her first assumption when she arrived there and noticed that the tomb was empty was not a resurrection, but that somebody must have moved the body of Jesus to another place. And in fact, as we read there, you notice that through a veil of tears, this precious woman conversed with angels. And uh, she even talked with the risen Lord, though she mistaken Him to be the gardener. And the Bible gives us this Strange and mysterious verse in verse 14 that it said she did not know that it was Jesus. Now I've read that many times and no doubt you've probably heard it preached on many times. 
But how many times have you come across that and thought, how could Mary not know that this was Jesus? This man who had forgiven her and changed her life and who she had served for three years, how could she not know? Well, let me offer a couple of explanations. First off, her vision was obscured by pain. If you've ever walked through the valley of the shadow of death, then you know that it is difficult to see God in the midst of your darkness. I like what one author, Max Lucado, in one chapter in his book, he has a chapter entitled, Seeing God Through Cracked Glass. Listen to what he wrote. He said, there is a window in your heart through which you can see God. Once upon a time, that window was clear. Your view of God was crisp. And then suddenly, the window cracked. A pebble broke that window. A pebble of pain. Perhaps it was the death of a loved one. Or a terrible diagnosis. Or the end of a marriage. Whatever the pebbles form, he said, the result was the same. A shattered window. And suddenly, God was not so easy to see. You turned to see God and His figure was distorted. It was hard to see Him through the fragments of hurt. So I submit to you this morning that Mary's vision was, uh, was obscured by the pain that she was feeling. The overwhelming sense of grief in her heart. And then I also want you to see that her vision was obstructed by presumption. You see, what I mean by this is that we tend to get what we expect. Uh, Mary went to the tomb looking for a corpse, not a living Lord. And it seemed like no matter how many times Jesus had promised and predicted to His followers, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again, it never really seemed to sink in to their heads and down to their hearts. And despite all of Jesus' marvelous words and His miraculous works, Mary was going to the tomb thinking naturally, not supernaturally. And so a miracle was the furthest thing from her mind. And now as that scene unfolds, I want you to notice with me that Mary's world is about to be changed again. Just as it was turned upside down uh, 72 hours ago, it's about to be turned right side up again. Now as Jesus gradually and gently reveals Himself in His resurrected glory to her. This is such a tender and a profound moment. And what did Mary learn by lingering at the empty tomb that day? Well, I want you to see at least three lessons. And the first one is this. You might want to write this down. In times of hopelessness, stay loyal to the person of Christ. In times of hopelessness, stay loyal to the person of Christ. You see, the reason why Mary was there that day was because of her loyal love for Jesus. You remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 about that paramount chapter on the love? He said, love bears all things, and it believes all things, and it hopes all things, and love endures all things. Uh, faith and hope will fade long before love goes. And even though uh, Jesus was dead, uh, Mary had determined in her heart, even though He's gone, I I've still got to find a way to serve Him. You see, what you notice here today is that 
Mary's loyal love for Jesus kept her lingering around the tomb. She went a first time and she saw that it was empty and went back and told the disciples and then they came and checked it out. And then she went back another time. and That's where we open up with verse 11. She just couldn't get away from her Lord. And so she lingered around the place where she had last seen Him. And if you do a careful study of this resurrection timeline, what you're going to notice here is that this is the first time that Jesus appears to anyone after the cross. And it's quite amazing that Jesus chose to reveal His glory, not to Peter, or not to the beloved disciple John, uh, but to Mary of all uh, who followed Him. She was the last at the cross, and she was the first at the empty tomb, and so it only seems fitting that Jesus would give her this great honor. And Mary has the privilege now of being the first to touch the risen Lord, to herald that good news of the risen Christ because she was of all of them more devoted when the hope was gone and when faith was threadbare. Now I want you to think about that. How many of us have given up on God right before the miracle comes? How many of us have written off God in our situation, in our darkness, in our hopelessness? Uh, we've got to the end of ourselves and we've written off God and said, God can't be found here. Or, or God, where are you? Or God, I don't see you in this. And Mary said, I won't give up. I can't give up. As she lingered long at the tomb of Jesus. Because in your hopelessness, you can stay loyal to the person of Christ. I was reading a book earlier this week called Jesus Among Other Gods. It's written by Ravi Zacharias. And in that book, he tells a story of a news broadcast that he watched years ago about a girl who had become lost in a forest. Her family had gone out hiking one day, and this girl wandered off into this dense, dark forest. As she called out, she screamed, but to no avail, uh, she couldn't be heard. And so her alarmed parents and a group of volunteers searched frantically for her for a day. And then when darkness fell and they could not find the little girl, they had to give up the search for the night. Well, early that next morning, even before sunrise, uh, the girl's daddy had re-entered that forest and he searched for his little baby girl. He he went around every tree and looked around every rock trying to find her. And he said that finally he came over a hill and he saw his girl. She was laying out on a rock. <laughs> and as he got close to her, he called out her name. He called her by name and she startled awake. She threw her arms around her daddy. She picked herself up. She hugged him. And she repeated over and over again, Daddy, I found you. Daddy, I found you. Daddy, I found you. And applying that story to Mary Magdalene's search here in John chapter 20, listen to what the author wrote. He said, quote, Mary discovered the most startling truth of all when she came looking for the body of Jesus. And she did not realize that the person she had found was the one who was risen and that He had come looking for her. 
Just as Jesus had found her the first time, hey, He found her again in her hopelessness. And friend, you can stay loyal to the person of Christ. Uh, Where were you when He found you? Uh, How deep and dark was your depression? Uh, How hopeless was your situation? Uh, uh, Where were you when this risen Christ came and pulled you out of the situation that you were in? Oh, friend, think about this text. What if we lingered like Mary did in His Word and in His feet in worship? What if we lingered in prayer? What would He reveal about Himself? Uh, What would He heal in our lives? Uh, What would He resolve in our situation if we made the decision to stay loyal to the person of Christ? You see, the greatest blessing was reserved for the one who decided to stay faithful even when it felt foolish, even when it didn't make sense and she didn't have answers. So what I see here in this passage, number one, is that in times of hopelessness, you stay loyal to the person of Christ. And then I also want you to see in here, number two, in times of brokenness, look for the presence of of Christ. Look for the presence of Christ. You know, Jesus' appearance to Mary in her deepest sorrow shows us that when we think God is furthest, that's actually when He's nearest. Think about it. Every miracle that Jesus did was because He stepped in to somebody's life at their point of brokenness when there wasn't any help, when there wasn't any solution. And friend, when brokenness had left them undone. I want you to know today that His grace is sufficient in all of our grief. And I think about my risen Lord because He's fully human. He can sympathize as a high priest. He knows what you're going through. Uh, He stood there beside a tomb one day and uh, shed tears for His friend. He knows the plight of everyone. Uh, He knows the depth of your valley uh, because He's human. He's a sympathizing Savior. But then because He's fully God, because He's risen from the dead, then He can be trusted as the Good Shepherd who knows how to lead His children out of the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, He made His way out of the tomb. And if He can make His way out of that, then He can know how to make a way to find you in your brokenness. Oh, you need to be searching. You need to be looking for the presence of Christ. He's not so far away as we might think. He was right there with Mary in the garden, though she didn't recognize Him. You know, one detail that struck me as I studied this passage this week was the placement of the angels in the tomb. How many times I had read this, I don't know, and just skipped over this little detail. But notice again what it said In verse 12, this is so interesting. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. Watch this. One at the head and one at the feet. As I read that again, I put a wrinkle in my brain. A question mark came up and I thought, John, why did you go out of your way? Why did the Holy Spirit inspire you to mention such a small and strange detail? And then I got the thinking back in my mind. Where is it that we see two angels hovered over something precious? 
And God took me back into the Old Testament. And I began to think about the Ark of the Covenant. That strange container that God told Moses to build. And on top of it uh, was to be the mercy seat. And you remember from the book of Exodus in chapter 25 that those two angels were to be made out of pure gold. And they were to be bowing there in reverence when the Shekinah glory of God came down and, and rested in that place. And as I began to read that and think back, oh, the Holy Spirit showed me something fresh and something new. Now in like manner, here are angels standing over the place where the risen Christ had been. They're there to announce the glory that Christ had risen from the grave and friend, there's a new mercy seat now. It's the place where Jesus came shining brilliantly out of His empty tomb. And then I started to think a little bit more about that ark. What was inside that ark? Oh, well, there was the Ten Commandments that God had written down in stone and given to Moses. And then there was a jar of manna, which was the bread that He fed His people with in the wilderness. And then there was Aaron's rod, which had budded from death to life, and I started to think about that tomb. Oh, that tomb was just an empty container, just a temporary place to hold the Son of God for a little while. And He was the fulfillment of all those things. He was the bread of life. Uh, he's the fulfillment of every jot and tittle of Moses' law. And just as Aaron's rod budded uh, from uh, dead to life, Jesus came forth budding life from a dead place. And this risen Jesus is the new way into the forever presence of God. And so here we see this Old Testament picture of God's faithfulness and God's promise-keeping ability. And here is Christ who was the one who fulfilled every single promise, every single word that He would rise. He told him. He said, uh, look for the sign of Jonah. Uh, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of that great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He told him, he said, look at this temple. Uh, you destroy this temple. And in three days I'll rise it again. And then he told his disciples in John 10, he said, uh, listen, uh, nobody takes my life uh, from me. I lay it down of my own authority just as I pick it back up again with the authority given to me uh, by my Father. And so what I want you to see here today is that in times of brokenness, because we have a risen Savior. Hey, you can seek and you can search and you can find the presence of Christ. Uh, he's faithful today. Uh, he's never broken a promise to me. Uh, so uh, when you're in trouble, uh, when you're crying heavy tears, uh, look for Him at the graveside. Uh, look for Him to show up at the bedside of a hospital room. Uh, hey, He'll show up in the middle of a dark night when uh, you've about cried yourself to sleep. Uh, he knows how to find you in that deep, uh, dark valley. Hey, <laughs> He found Mary crying at the tomb. Uh, he found Peter uh, by the sea fishing. Uh, he appeared to Thomas in that upper room when he was doubting. And praise God, He found Paul when he was on the road to Damascus. Uh, he knows how to find His children in times of brokenness. Anywhere you go... He's already been there and He's waiting for you. Hey, the Jews wanted to kill Him. Pilate didn't know what to do with Him. Judas betrayed Him. But the dying thief believed on Him. The world still don't understand Him. The Roman soldier said, Hey, there ain't nobody like Him. 
Death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't keep him. Satan couldn't defeat him. Praise God. You can't outlive him. And you can't live without him. I hope somebody out there in Facebook world is saying amen today. Because the presence of God is in our lives. Oh my goodness. In times of brokenness. Times of brokenness. Look for the presence of Christ. You say, preacher, that all sounds good. But don't mean nothing if you hadn't lived it. Let me tell you something, friend. I've seen too much. I've witnessed too much of the goodness of my God to show up when you least expect Him. A couple years ago, this church was rocked uh, when we had a precious friend of ours, Ken Singleton. Uh, He passed. He passed suddenly uh, when he died with cancer. He was a dear saint of God. Uh, So many of us still remember the precious man, his ministry, and what he meant to us. By the way, Miss Janice, if you're watching, I love you. And it's not over yet. We'll get to see him one day. But the day of his funeral, we had it right here in this little church. It was packed from one end to the other. And there was a powerful time of tears. Uh, There was storytelling. Uh, There was singing. Uh, There was shouting. Every song and every speaker spoke of this, this man's great testimony. Well, we finished up the service here and we went and we went to go do the graveside. And as we finished up that graveside, a little girl approached me. A little girl came up to me. She had tears streaming down her face. And she said, Preacher Derek, she said, I didn't know a whole lot of those things about my granddaddy. She said, but after hearing all that, about hearing about my granddaddy's faith in Jesus, she said, I realize I want to be saved too, just like granddaddy was. And I'm telling you right there in the middle of the cemetery, hey, we didn't wait till we got back to church. Uh, We bowed down there in a place of death and there was new life in a place that you wouldn't expect God to show up. Hey, He came in brokenness. He came in brokenness and the presence of Christ was there. Once again, Jesus broke up a funeral with the power of His resurrection. So in times of brokenness, look for the presence of Christ. And then I also want you to see that in times of hopelessness, stay loyal to the person of Christ. And then finally, number three, I finish up with this. In times of darkness, listen to the voice of Christ. In times of darkness, listen for the voice of Christ. Look at what it says again in verse 16. The Bible says, And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father, and your Father, and to my God, and your God Mary finally snapped out of it. The light bulb came on in her life. Uh, She had eyes to see when she heard her name spoken by the living Lord. It was specific. It was personal. It was real. How could she forget that voice who at one time called her out of her demonism and now called her once again out of that pit of despair? Remember what Jesus said in John 10 
In verse 27, he said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Friend, if you follow the Savior, oh, He'll call your name. He'll say to you those sweet words that only you can hear as you have a heart attuned to His voice. And isn't that the essence of biblical faith? Trust in the voice of God when you don't see the hand of God and you don't feel the presence of God and you certainly don't understand the plan of God, you say, God, I'll trust your voice. I'll follow your word. It's never let me down. It's got me through many a hard time. And so in times of darkness, there's only one voice that you can follow and it's the voice of the shepherd who said, we're going to go through this just a little while. It'll be dark. You'll doubt me. You'll wonder where are we going but you just listen to my voice you just listen to what I have to say to you I'm going to bring you through to the other side and you're going to learn things about the shepherd that you ain't never learned before in a good time oh you'll love me more when you come through this Uh, you'll see more of my guidance and more of my glory and so when you're in that time of darkness oh you listen you listen for the voice of Christ He speaks through His Word. He speaks through the person of His Holy Spirit. He speaks through the song and through the hymn. He speaks through a blessed friend that comes along our way. Oh, and when He calls my name, (laughs) I have no choice but to rise. Uh, Death can't hold me down. I've got to obey the Word of, of my Master and my Shepherd. And when he appears and when he says, Come up hither, church, I don't have any other choice but to defy gravity and go (laughs) to be with him. And yes, even if I pass from this world and my bones are in the ground, hey, when he speaks a word, the soul and the body is going to come together. There'll be great resurrection one day. Why? Because the voice of Christ commands it. And when Jesus did speak to Mary in verse 17, you notice here, he said something strange. Jesus is good at that. He said something that was profound, but yet a bit cryptic as well. He said, don't cling to me, verse 17, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Now, you go search the commentaries, they have spilled volumes of ink trying to interpret what exactly did Jesus mean here? Well, I'm no better than any of those other commentators. And you've always heard that a commentator is just nothing more but a commentator. And so I'm a commentator, uh, so I fit that description. Here's the Derek McCarson version of that. Here's what I think he was saying to, the, to Mary. It could be that Mary thought that this was Jesus' promised return that He had spoke about in the upper room. John 14. I'm coming back to receive you unto Myself. Where I am, what is it? You may be also, right? Mary was thinking in those terms. But Jesus' plan was to ascend to the Father and then, after ascension, send the Holy Spirit. The fellowship with Jesus would continue but it would be in a different form, in a different way, in a different person, the person of the Holy Spirit. And so, in loosening Mary's hold on Him, here's what Jesus was in effect saying to Mary. 
He's saying, I know your desire is to keep me here. To keep me always present with you. I know, Mary, that you want things to always be the same that they have always been, just as they were before I died. But, but Mary, the relationship is about to change. I'm going to heaven. And you will have the comforter in my place. Mary, you need to start walking by faith and not by sight. And I think that is what the voice of Christ is saying to her here in this situation. By the way, as you keep reading on in the Gospel of John, isn't it interesting that Jesus dealt the very opposite way when He got to Thomas? He told Mary, don't touch me. He appears to Thomas who says, I won't believe unless I touch him. And he goes to Thomas and says, touch me and now believe. Why does Jesus do this? Jesus knows all about Thomas's doubt. And he knows all about Mary's struggle with faith. Both of them needed more faith to trust Jesus. Mary needed faith to let go of Jesus. Thomas needed faith to believe without that empirical proof. Mary needs to loosen her grip. Thomas needs to strengthen him. And to the risen Christ, He appears to both of them. And the voice of Christ is so assuring to each one, He gives to them the very thing that they need in that moment to keep going down the road of life and to stay strong in serving Him. And friend, that's what I wanted you to see today. He knows your name. He knows your need. And the risen Christ when He comes to you and speaks to you through His Word and through His Spirit, it'll be tailor-suited just for you. It'll be personal. It'll be real. And it'll be the very thing that you need to keep going a little further for Him. He'll do the same for you today. He'll give you the faith that you need to trust Him. His voice is still calling folk out of the darkness into His marvelous light. And I'm thankful that one day He called me, Derek, <laughs> come on down, brother. Stacy, Elise, Michael, whatever your name might be. Oh, if you know Him, it's He called your name. And He brought you out of that darkness into His marvelous light. And when we go through those dark times, His voice is all that we have to follow. In fact, that's exactly what Lacey Strum discovered. Remember her? I mentioned her at the beginning of the message. She decided at the age of 16, time to end it all. Here's her testimony. Here's what happened. The voice of Christ came to her in a very personal way. On the day that Lacey decided to kill herself, her grandmother noticed that something was wrong. It was a Wednesday. It was church day for grandma. And so she insisted that Lacey go to church with her. Lacey said, I hated Christians. But I went to church anyway simply to get my grandma off my back. Praise God for the pestering saint who stayed on your case too. She said, I went in that church with my arms folded, not looking to hear or see anything. And she said, I sat in the back of that church and crossed my arms, pretty much waiting for the whole thing to be over and leave so that I could go out and kill myself. But for some reason, she said, 
that gentle white-haired preacher started talking about the goodness of God and the sweetness of Jesus. And then he said something that completely startled me, she said. The preacher stood up, stepped away from the pulpit. He said, this isn't in my notes, but there's a suicidal spirit in this room. And Lacey said, when he said that, all the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. And I said to myself, I have got to get out of here. This is too weird. And as she tried to slip out the back, an older gentleman stopped her, grabbed her by the hand, and he said, young lady, the Lord wants me to speak to you. He wants me to tell you that He knows your pain. That He's seen you cry yourself to sleep at night. And that He died to take that pain away from your heart. He experienced it while He was on the cross. So you don't have to keep holding on to that pain anymore. Lacey said, as I stood there stunned, the man said, can I please pray for you? She said, it was like when he opened his mouth, the God of the universe showed up. And I saw who I was. I saw that I was sinful. And that I saw that He was a perfect, holy, loving God who sent His Son to die and rise again so that I could have hope and a future. And I saw God for the first time. And His name (laughs) was Jesus. And in that moment, Lacey prayed to receive Christ as her Lord and Savior. She said, the moment that I met Jesus, all my plans for suicide died on the steps of that little church. She said, since then I've been married, I've had a child, I've had a music career, and she's written books. And friend, that's the hope of the resurrection because I live, you shall live also. Death is defeated. Hallelujah, church. Praise His name today. There is a Savior. Uh, There is hope. Hey, uh, COVID-19 isn't the end of the story. Uh, There's a risen Savior. He knows how to deal with disease. He knows how to defeat death. Uh, He can get the devil off of your back. Uh, He's faithful and true. And I'm glad to tell you today that in His possession are the keys of death and Hades. It's hard to be afraid of death when you know the one that holds the keys and will be there to let you out on the other side. That's my Jesus. I wonder, do you know Him today? Is He your Savior? Or is He just somebody that you check off the list a couple times a year when you go to church and it's Christmas and it's Easter and it's tradition. He's just a historical figure of an old dusty book, but He's not real to you. I'm talking to that person right now. If you have fear... And doubt and uncertainty in your heart today. Where will I go when I close my eyes in death? Hey, there's only one answer. It's not Buddha. It's not Muhammad. Uh, It's not Hinduism. Uh, It's not Gandhi. It's not Joseph Smith. It's only Jesus. Only Jesus. Would you turn to Him right now if you're watching out there and you know that you're lost and undone without Christ. You know that you need Him. You can pray with me. I'd ask you to pray this prayer with me right now as you're sitting out there and you know that you want to respond to this message. Pray this. Lord, I need You today. I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I have sinned so many times. But Lord, I thank You that You loved me 
when I was unlovable. I thank you, Lord, that you died for me on a cross that should have been mine. I thank you, Lord, that you rose from the grave. I believe in Jesus that you are God's Son. I believe, Jesus, that you love to save sinners. And so, Jesus, save this sinner. Save me today. Have mercy upon me. I call upon the name of Jesus. Help me to turn my life over to you. Come into my heart. Clean me up. Give me hope. Give me peace. I give my life to you, Jesus. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you were out there and you're watching still and you prayed that prayer, please leave us a note in the messages there. You can send me a, an email at dm4truth at gmail.com. We'd like to know if you made a decision. We'd like to encourage you and send you some things to help start your salvation story. But I pray that this service was a blessing to you. As we gathered in, uh, in just a few numbers here in the church, uh, and as you gathered there around at home, I pray that this lifted your spirits up and reminded you that God is great and that Jesus is our risen Savior today. I pray that you give Him praise and glory in your life. We look forward to seeing you again in a few days. On Wednesday, we'll be right back here with another encouraging time of worship and a message from God's Word. Thank you. He is risen. He's risen indeed.